We are here with uh, the 11th edition of the Home Field Advantage podcast. This is Big Mo, and I have Action Jackson on the line. Coming to you from the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, as usual. But uh, check with the middle of nowhere tonight. <laughs> uh, Action, you with me? I'm here. All right. Well, Action... We're, uh, it's another Wednesday again, and, uh, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. Uh, unfortunately, I think we got to start with the bad today. Uh, what happened to those hogs up in Columbia, Missouri, and what happened to that battle line trophy that used to be in our trophy case? Well, uh, to me, it appeared that uh, one team knew that there was a game Friday, and... Uh, it, it was in Arkansas, and uh, as for that trophy, it's on hiatus for a year, uh, but it'll be back where it belongs, hopefully uh, the day after Thanksgiving 2023, so uh, just, uh, that was the definition of how this year's went, Big Mo is just, uh, it was not living up to expectations, and it was very disappointing, that's uh, really that's really all I have to say about the game uh, in particular. Uh, you know, as an overview, I mean, it, it was just it was just ugly. Uh, that's, I mean, that's my opening thoughts. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I, I, I just want to go straight to the to the what I think is the critical possession of the game, which is where Arkansas had the ball. Uh, with about, I want to say, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. We were down by five points, and it was obvious we needed a touchdown. We had first and goal from their four. And I, I honestly, uh, except for if I wouldn't have watched the Oregon-Oregon State game later in the day, which is was really probably helpful for my mental health <laughs> after after seeing what Arkansas did there. I would have said it was about the worst play calling or execution I've ever seen from fourth and goal when you when you need to take the lead. Unfortunately, Oregon did much worse than we did uh, later on in the day, so that I, I can't say that anymore. But what were we thinking? When you've got the ball on first and goal from the four-yard line, you're down by five. It's clear that you need a touchdown in order to, to take the lead or, or, you know, a field goal only gets you within two, which to me doesn't do anything for you because if they come back and score a touchdown, then it's a two-possession game. And then if they kick a field goal, you're just right back where you started. So... Uh, we, we just had Rocket Sanders run for 232 yards and three touchdowns against Ole Miss the week before, and he did not touch the ball from first and goal from the four. Can you explain this to me, Action? Uh, I, I mean, I really have no explanation, but, you know, really, you know, looking back on the game, uh, it, it wasn't just four plays. You had eight plays because you had a pass interference in the end zone, so then it gets to first and goal with the two. And you still run three more plays and can't get in and still kick a field goal. Uh, you know, Rocket had a 17-yard run earlier in that quarter and never touched the ball again. Uh, to me, there's, I mean, there's no excuse for that. You have, you got KJ, 
offensive line, you got Rocket. And even when you get to first and goal from the two, what play do you go to in the Rolodex in the playbook? Oh, I know what you do. You move your tight end in motion and let him take a direct snap under center. Yeah, that's a great play call. Didn't work. Didn't work. Terrible. And then you throw two incomplete passes and kick a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely atrocious, atrocious play calling. Uh, man, it was just uh, I was I was sitting on I wouldn't even sit on the edge of my seat. I was reclined back, thinking, what in the world is going on here? And I hate to say it, but I don't think that an that's the offensive coordinator's job, and I'm not sure that you can do much worse than that. I, I've, you know, again, I don't get paid to do this. I know, but but even I watching the TV, even I can see that running the ball straight up the middle when you're inside the five is not a particularly effective play unless you have a dominating offensive line. And I hate to say it, but Arkansas doesn't. We do not have a dominating offensive line this year. If you don't have a dominating offensive line, yeah, you you want to either run it off the. We want to get with speed and space with a little uh, sweet play or, or a little dink uh, pass, you know, uh, to, to the outside. Uh, but you don't want to just run it straight up the middle. And, you know, uh, the, the pass plays, again, it's, it's more difficult to complete those because they only have nine yards, you know, 15 yards to defend. It's the, the field is so short right there. That unless you have somebody, and again, Arkansas, we don't have a lot of guys who are short-handed in traffic with a ball coming at a high rate of speed from a short distance. We, we That's not our forte. It's never been our forte this season. Um, but, but, but when you've got four yards to get, and, and, and the way I see it, you had four plays to get it. You only have to get a yard of play to get that thing in. And I, I don't understand how the, 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 the logic on the play calling there, because an incomplete pass doesn't advance the ball. Terrible, terrible play calling. And, you know, we're used to the days, we, you know, we came up under, you know, watching, obviously, you know, what Houston Nutt was able to do. But Houston Nutt had this personality that he was going to go to the well until the well ran dry. And what I mean by that is, if you go back in, into the first half, when when KJ runs that read option in the goal line situation, he walked into the end zone. He walked in. Nobody touched him. He walked into the end zone. You yeah. get down late in the game, and not only does Rocket not touch the ball, KJ yeah. doesn't run the ball. KJ didn't run the ball. Exactly. exactly. KJ run. We, 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 there's so many ways. There's so many options you have to score a touchdown there and we just happened to produce i mean if the defensive coordinator in missouri was calling our plays for us i don't think he would have done any worse you know basically if if, if if the other side was basically saying i want him to run these three plays to give him the lowest chance of scoring i'm not sure they could have come up with three worse plays than what we did I mean, it, it was it was truly bad. But I also want to say, um, I don't, what are your thoughts, Jackson, about the decision to kick the field goal when we didn't move the ball in the first three plays? 
Well, uh, I, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't get paid to do this. Uh, I, I, I think Coach was, I think Coach Pittman just decided, well, we're not leaving it the end. We're not, we're, we hadn't moved it, and we're going to take this three and hope we can get the ball back, which, in fact, they did get the ball back. But we didn't do anything we got the ball back. So uh, I, I would just say, you know, it, it's four down territory there. you got to go for it. Uh, you know, and if you if you don't get it, you don't get it. But you, 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 we we both know you need a touchdown right there, not a field goal. Yeah. I mean, my, my my thought is here with the way our defense was playing, and at that point, I felt like our defense was playing better than our offense. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, the quarterback torched us in the first half. In the second half, he had 13 yards rushing. Yeah. So we definitely made adjustments. They put Drew Sanders on him as a spy, and he did nothing. Yeah. So, exactly. You know, our defense has played better, but once again, first half, we made him look like he was up for the Heisman. We didn't make him look like he was trying to win a bowl or win to go to a bowl game. We made the guy look like a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, running all over the field, throwing it, you know, just doing pretty much yeah. whatever he wanted. Yeah. And I don't know why we waited so far in the second half before we made the adjustment, because once they made the adjustment, we shut them down. Absolutely shut them down. Yeah. But going back to my, uh, I, I completely agree. But we had a chance to overcome it here. We on the on this critical first and uh, you know first and goal from the four, and eventually fourth and goal from the four. And I feel like we basically decided to lose the game in the end rather than take a shot at winning the game. And yet, we certainly could have been an incomplete pass on fourth and four, too. But you, we were going to lose it anyway. We lost it anyway. You know, and, and so, and here's, but here's my thought on this. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, here's my thought on this: is that if if let's say it's four, fourth and four, and you don't get it, well then they get the ball first and goal. I'm sorry, first first and ten from the four, and you've got them pinned back deep. They have to get another twenty yards before they get to the twenty-four. Essentially, two for. Before they get to the 24, and even if they get to the 24, four, you've still got 76 yards of field left to stop them and get the ball back. Or, you know, if, if you're trying to hold them to not even getting a field goal, you have uh, another, another uh, you know, 45 yards of field still to stop them. They've got a long way to go from the four-yard line before they get back in the field goal range. And if I'm the coach, I'm betting that my defense is going to, if they're starting at the four and my defense is down by five, I'm betting my defense is going to pull up and stop them. I have to make that bet. But on top, so, so on top of betting that, you also get a free shot end zone, right? If you kick it, suddenly that means you have to kick it back to them, and the odds are they're probably going to get the ball, whether they return it or take a... Uh, uh, a touchback, they're probably going to get around the 25. Just by kicking it, you've given them 20 yards of extra field percentage position. Yeah, uh, that's totally a valid point. You know, so, the, and what else? so they don't have to get that 20 yards to get to the 24. They're already at the 24 because you kicked the field goal and you had to kick off to them rather than starting on their own four. 
I, I think so. Not only do you take the, by, by taking the points, do you end up you're still behind. You don't have a chance to take a lead, but you also just hurt your defense by doing that. Right. That's that's my thought on that, and I, I, I disagree with the call. I, I felt like we basically uh, uh, said, you know what? Um, we, we'd rather save face here than actually have a chance to win the game and, and take that risk. And we should have taken the risk. Yeah, yeah I, I, can, I can see that. And, and also, to your point, you know, earlier in the game, it was fourth and one short, short yard situation. What do they do? KJ gets under center and he gains four yards on fourth and one. So I'm going to make some fans very mad, but I'm going to line up and be like, look. KJ, you're running the ball four times right here. You know, I'm going to let you make the decision. If you want to pull up and throw, you go ahead, but the ball is in your hand. Yeah. yeah. I'm running KJ. KJ, well, well, right well, 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 Rocket, yeah. KJ, yeah. Rocket, to get in the end zone. I mean, I mean, I mean that was a uh, uh, almost uh, going back to the, the Super Bowl where the Seahawks didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line on that critical play. It's, it's kind of like you've got Rocky Sanders. He's coming off of his career best game all time rushing and his first to go from the four. I, I, I think that the logic would tell you he's probably going to get it all three downs. But he's, he's money in the bank for getting it once, right? In your, uh, in, in your coaching mind, Big Mo, change coaches for just a minute. What does Houston Nut call on a four-yard line first and goal? Probably a run up the middle. Yeah, it's a Any of them. Name your poison. Any running back that he had in the backfield is getting the ball on first and goal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. And call it vanilla if you want to. First and goal, you're handing it to your running back. If he doesn't get it, then you're going to something else. Or you might give it to him again. You know, well, if you've only got the, but the, what the, what the amazing thing is, is we didn't get penalized. We didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. We just couldn't get four yards. It's crazy. You know, it really is crazy. And, and we've got to... Uh, I know that Sam Pittman following the game, he didn't fire Ken, Ken Browse, who I think probably should be. He probably should be fire, fired after after what he did in that um, in the Missouri game, and honestly, several games this year, I've, I've questioned the play calls. But but that series right there to me was inexcusable. But no, he fired the conditioning coach and the strength coach, the conditioning and strength coach, and I think the message there was if we had an offensive line that was properly conditioned and and, and had uh, proper athleticism and strength, we would have been able to run the ball there, but maybe Browse was in a position where he was looking at what we'd done during the game and said, hey, we're not just, we're not winning the line of scrimmage, so we can't run it. Yeah. You know, if that if that wasn't the logic, Browse has to go. If he if he doesn't know something about why a run wouldn't have worked there, he's got to go because uh, that that lost us. Uh, you know, in my mind, a game that I think the entire state wanted because the last thing we wanted was to show up on this podcast today and have to explain to everybody and talk about how we lost to Missouri yet again. Yeah, and and, and, the, and the thing is, I go back to when you for, when you initially asked me. I really have no explanation because I'm still baffled. Uh, I, I said there, well, the game was over, and I'm like, what in the wide world of sports just happened? 
because, but not only just that, you know, that goal line stand, I told, I told a, a friend of mine watching that game with me, I said, even if we would have won that game, we didn't deserve to win that game. We didn't deserve to win that game, Big Mom. We weren't the better team on the field that day. We weren't. We yeah. didn't deserve to win. And, and I think that somewhere our players have gotten their mind that, hey, you know, we're just going to go out here nonchalantly and we're going to be able to beat Missouri. Look at the series record, boys. We've never beat them in Missouri. Why? Is it Thanksgiving hangover? I don't know what's going on. But when we go up there, we have no energy. I mean, even on Rocket 17-yard run where you start from behind, he had no energy. He looked like he was running in slow motion. I don't know what they had going on. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like we said, that, that place just sets all the energy out of It's crazy. I, I honestly wish I would have made the trip up there to Missouri just to, just to holler down some of the players, go, go out there in warm-ups or whatever, and just let them know how much this game means to people. And sometimes that's what the players need. They need that one guy who's basically uh, almost heckling them, you know, while they're, while they're doing their stretches and everything before the game and letting them know, hey, we need to beat this team. We're, we don't need to lose this game to a, a team with a losing record in Missouri, yet again, we're better than this. We just whooped the number, a top 15 team. Uh, we were hit 42 to 6 on them. We, you know, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. So you call it Thanksgiving hangover, whatever. Uh, I, I sense a level of, of frustration in your voice today, Jackson, that I haven't heard in a while, and I think it's well deserved. It's like we, it's like we discussed a couple of weeks ago. There's no heart. There's no heart on the team. I mean, if, if you look at the way leading up to the game, you had players that have one game left to play in college, and they're quitting the team. They're quitting. They're like, hey, yeah. we're not waiting for no transfer portal. We're not waiting for a coach to talk to us. We're going. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, that shows me that there's players on this team, and not just the ones that have already done it, there's players on the team that don't have no heart to play football. And it, it, it's – I remember a day when – Guys like Brandon Burlesworth and and Cedric Cobbs and uh, Michael Smith and, and Corey Birmingham, they used to put that jersey on and it, you could tell it meant something to them. I want to see where the guys are on this team that it still means something to them. Yeah. Because I'm not seeing I'm not seeing where where it means anything to have Arkansas across your chest anymore. Okay, and I totally agree. Something I didn't think I would ever see. I mean, and you know, we got a bowl game coming up, but who's not playing the bowl game? We, we don't know what the team's going to even look like coming into bowl season. You know, we, we know a few solid pieces, but aside from that, you know, basically if you can breathe, you're going to be playing secondary for the Razorbacks, so that's what we're down to. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely disappointing. It's definitely disappointing. But, um, I'm looking forward to, like you said, getting, getting the season over with. Of course, I'd love to win a bowl game. Which uh, we'll get to in a second, but we, we got to, going to your point. We've got to have a new class of leaders come in to Fayetteville and just reinvigorate uh, the culture and bring back some of that Razorback pride. Because I hate to say it, this class of uh, now give them credit for winning that Senior Day game against Ole Miss, which they did. And we we've had a lot of you know uh, good good games this season. And obviously a tough schedule. You just have to, you don't have to look any further than Texas A&M to see what the season could have been if we didn't play as hard as we did. 
Uh, you, you could you could possibly have a a Arkansas matchup with with the Big Twelve team in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, so yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying Texas was, Bowl against yeah. against one of those two Oklahoma teams. That, that's my that's my prediction. Well, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. I've I've been reading up on the predictions too. And I am liking the Liberty Bowl, just like you said, against the Big 12 team. But I'm liking the Liberty Bowl against Baylor. Um, That's one I've also heard uh, that I, I like. It. Uh, could I mean could be a game? You know, just thinking about on paper, that could be a game that's that's an old style shootout because either team's defense is very good, and you know. You know, love Arkansas's play calling or not. The play calling has been bad, but not near as bad as the defense has been for most of the season. Uh, so, uh, you know, Arkansas, Arkansas, Baylor, that's a Uh, 
uh, play for your home state team, and that's Carolina. He says some people would say state, but uh, the only people who go to state are the people who can't get into Carolina. <laughs> and as you can imagine, that did not go over well with NC State. And uh, you know, he eventually apologized for it, but the damage was done. And let me tell you, the Wolfpack defense came out, and they were out to prove a point. And we, we put it on them early. We had some bad luck in the second half. Um, but it all came down to uh, essentially we had to stop them to force overtime, went into double overtime, and uh, we, uh, we scored traded touchdowns on the first possession. Second possession, uh, we kicked the field goal, which, by the way, I have to uh, have a shout-out to um, – his, his, his name escapes me right now, but the NC State kicker is, is one of the best of, um, uh, I mean, really in college football history. Come into this game, he had not missed a kick, and he unfortunately had a kick to uh, would have sealed it in regulation for NC State, or at least put us ahead in regulation, uh, but but missed it from about 47 out. But anyway, he he made his kick in overtime, and so our defense held them to a field goal try uh, in the second overtime. They had about uh, pretty short distance. I'd say about 37, 38-yard kick. And, I mean, just one of the biggest duck hooks, one of the biggest and most beautiful duck hooks that I've ever seen come off of uh, a, a Tar Heel leg. And uh, that sealed it for NC State. We, uh, we you know, players rushed the field, and our, I believe our cheer crew actually took the uh, the NC State flag and actually planted it on the Tar Heel, right in the center of the field, as we uh, as wow. we celebrated on uh, the number 17 team in the country's home. So it, it was a thing of beauty, my friend. It was a thing of beauty. Well, it, it, sound, it sounded like a, you know, just a heck of a game, and you know, while, while we're on your alma maters, can we get can we get another shout out for the for the green wave? Yeah, we have to. We have to. Speaking of going on the road, Tulane goes on the road to Cincinnati. Who don't even say didn't say anything more about that team that just went to the college football playoff last year on the road, and Tulane frankly handled. Uh, it, it ended up being about a five point game, but it was never really never really felt like it was in doubt. Tulane busted a few long runs and, uh, you know, held, uh, kept Cincinnati's defense in check throughout the game, kind of controlled it till the end and just, just uh, ran out the clock at the end of the game. Uh, beautiful, very uh, convincing win from, from Tulane. And speaking of Tulane, who would have thought, I think I mentioned this last week, but Tulane is, of all my alma mater teams, or, you know, on my home state team and my, my two alma maters, Tulane's the highest ranked. Right. Yeah. Uh, crazy. For sure. Well, but even and, more than you know, that, even more than that, uh, to say about Tulane, uh, Tulane is actually the highest ranked non-major conference team in the country now. They're number wow. one. For all the for all the the mid major teams out there, and apparently that carries a special ball award with it, which is the Cotton Bowl. But but you have to win your conference championship to make it to the Cotton Bowl. 
So, um, and, you know, we, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, folks. So if you go back and, and, and pay attention to last week's pick, I mean, I, I think we called too late on this podcast. I think we both called that North Carolina State was going to win on this podcast. I think we also called that the Beavers were going to beat the Ducks on this podcast. I want to talk about that. And so, you know, we, we you know, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've been, we've been hitting some on the head pretty good, uh, you know, and I, I hate we keep missing on Arkansas so bad, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's just that kind of year again. Yeah, no, we, it's, I mean, two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf once saying. And, uh, you know, we, we got two big wins with, with Tulane and NC State, and I will take those, you know, and, and, and just really forget about the Reds. Arkansas obviously avoid that one too. But, um, also want to touch on these other games from around the country because it was a heck of a day to be a college football fan. There were some absolute uh, classic rivalry games, and I, I got to start with the Oregon State game that you called. Because I'll have to say this was one of the biggest collapses. The big one, and, and, and sometimes those are the best games. At least some of those are my favorites. To see a team in a game that matters so much get a big lead and then choke it away in the most excruciating fashion. Um, that's what happened. That's what yeah. happened, and it was, I especially love it. Was definitely laughable. I mean, it's definitely laughable. That's all I can do is laugh about it. away with a, a, a hard-fought victory. And we know that's the situation with Oregon and Oregon State. Oregon is the top dog, and Oregon State needs to get there as well they can. So I was very uh, – uh, I was disappointed to see when Oregon pulled to what looked to be a, an insurmountable – 17-point lead in the second half and then proceeded to absolutely choke it away in legendary fashion. Yeah, definitely not the way you want to do things. You don't want to be remembered for, for what happened. Yeah. Actually, Oregon State was able to retake the lead within, in the span of about eight minutes. They scored three touchdowns without throwing a single pass. It was, it was unbelievable. The, uh, first of all, Oregon, Oregon fumbled the ball inside about their 20. Oregon State recovered. Oregon State ran, uh, I think, a couple run plays, got in the end zone, touchdown. They kicked it back to, uh, to Oregon. Oregon got the ball again. They got pushed back by some penalties. Had to punt from about their own 10-yard line. Well, their punter got the punt blocked at the two-yard line and actually recovered. The, the punter recovered it, but he recovered it on the Oregon one. That's when Oregon State took over and punched it in again. Wow. And 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 so. Uh, I think uh, even before that, that fumble, Oregon State had already punched in another touchdown, too. But uh, with, with that, Oregon State took the lead. And then Oregon was in a situation just like Arkansas, where they were down by four points, okay, down by more than three, clear that you need a touchdown. There was six, I'd say six minutes left in the game. First and goal from the five. 
no uh, really time concern at that time, right? You would think. And um, I take it back. I think Oregon had the ball about inside the 20 with about eight minutes. But they were just running plays, and they were just basically trying to almost milk the clock. And anyway, they, with about six minutes to go, they got first and goal from the five. And I've never seen a more incredible collapse, I think, from a penalty standpoint. First and goal from a five turned into a false start. And this is the sequence of it. A false, there was a false start on Oregon. A holding penalty on Oregon. Another false start on Oregon. And then, I kid you not, another false start on Oregon. Three false starts and a holding penalty backed them up from first and goal at the five to first and goal from the 35. That's crazy. I, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and so they had first and goal from the 35, and they 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 ran a, a bunch of they ran four plays, but each time they they they. There was no pressure on Oregon to ever stop the clock. So they, they ran the plays. Eventually, they didn't get it, and they turned the ball over to Oregon. I, oh, okay, I'm sorry. It, it gets worse. It, it actually gets worse. Not only did they um, did they get four penalties there in a row, but I think with second and goal from, like, the 30, they decided to call timeout to save, save themselves from a delay game. So not only did they not get a touchdown at first to go from the five, but they actually burned a timeout in the process. And this became huge because when Oregon State took over the ball at about the 15 or 20 yard line, Oregon suddenly only had two timeouts to stop it. And there was only two minutes left, two and two and a half minutes left in the game because all this uh, a false start and, and running these plays built about two and a half minutes off the clock. And so, um, uh, basically, Oregon State ran it twice. Oregon called timeouts both times. On the third run, Oregon State got the first down. And that was all they needed from that point on. They uh, they ran three plays, and I think the, the punt, the time expired. Game over. Game yeah. over. Oregon, Oregon State pulled out the victory. Again, it was one of the most incredible displays of, of clock mismanagement. You've got the ball driving. You're only down by four, and you're driving in your opponent's territory at about the 20-25 with eight minutes to play, and you, 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 you managed to not only not score, but not get the ball back. Yeah, so that that was one way to lose. Yeah, so uh, Oregon State um, uh, took away the. Let, let me see what what that trophy's called. Well, we mentioned last that's week. The, uh, what was it that's called? the platypus trophy. What is it? Platypus trophy. The platypus trophy. Thank you. This is uh, this is why Action has the best memory of in all of podcast land. In case there was any doubt. Of that. Uh, next game we got to go to. Tell me about Michigan and Ohio State and uh, and about uh, teams rising up against their oppressors. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, and, and so, so what, what are your 
what are your thoughts about the Ohio State-Michigan game? Well, that I was. to say it, but I was really wanting Michigan to win that. Uh, I mean, like I said, we mentioned last time, it had been 22 years since Michigan had beat yeah. Ohio State in the horseshoe. And it was time Michigan lost, what, 11, 12 years in a row? It, I, it was a feel-good moment to see Michigan not only beat Ohio State, but to just handle them in a very humbling way, in a way that I feel Ohio State has needed to be humbled for a long time. And also to not only rob Ohio State in doing in doing this in their own house, not only deny them a perfect season, number one, not only deny them a spot in the Big Ten Championship, number two, but it now looks like there's a real chance that they may have denied them a chance in the uh, football college football playoff and ended their season in the process. Yep. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, realistically, uh, Ohio State's uh, staring at a Rose Bowl game. I mean, I think that's the best they can hope for right now. Well, I, I totally, I mean, obviously, if USC or TCU falter, I can tell you right now, Ohio State's in. Because, you know, the USA and TCU have to win their championship. You know, and the top four right now is, you know, it's just real interesting because you have an undefeated Georgia, you have an undefeated Michigan, you have an undefeated TCU, and then you have number four, USC just hanging out there. And, you know, USC wins the game, obviously they're in. TCU wins the game, obviously they're in. I don't foresee... Uh, a, a change, Big Mo, in the top four this yeah. weekend. I mean, uh, hey, I think the we, teams are. I think they're all going to handle business. We, we uh, also didn't foresee what South Georgia Carolina. Georgia winner loses in. I mean, that's pretty solid. Oh yeah, well, G- Georgia, I think, is in almost no matter what happens. Well, I'm pretty so much say what no matter what happens. Uh, uh, Michigan, same thing. They're in no matter what happens. Um, with the other two, you know, we didn't foresee what's to, to mention another rivalry game. We didn't foresee Clemson basically losing its way out of the playoff this past weekend either. So well, I'm, I'm mean, certainly not and, taking a TCU. You know, I mean, losing, losing the home field winning streak and, and, and a lot of other things at, at the same time. And, and you know, uh, South Carolina is. I mean, as, as, as bad as Arkansas season was, you know, we, we got that South Carolina game to hang our head on because uh, I'm not sure we can beat them right now. So, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a win for us. Yeah, it really was. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see what, what goes down with TCU and Kansas State. And by the way, I was rooting hard for Kansas State to, to win that game, and they did over Kansas because uh, little-known fact, do you know – Kansas State's nine and three. One of those three losses happens to be to the Tulane Green Wave. So another well, feather in Tulane's hat uh, as Kansas State makes an interesting big championship. Is, is it just me, Big Mo, or, or does it seem like Tulane's the story of the year in college football? They may be. Like I said, I, I, hey, I'm not now. Gus Malzahn and UCF, uh, they beat Tulane this year. So Tulane is trying to beat a team that, that it couldn't beat during the regular season in the championship. So let's not, oh, you know. And, uh, and, and I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. You know, I know the 
you know, the old song out there, Surfing USA, you know, I'm, I'm riding the wave. Big Mo, I'm, I'm riding, I'm riding the green wave, man. I, I, I am too. I'm pulling for them again. But I, I foresee a very, a nail biter uh, in New Orleans uh, this, this weekend. I think it's going to be a nail biter between Tulane and, and UCF. I'm hoping we pull it out. If we do pull it out, it, it's a trip to the Cotton Bowl, which uh, I would love. I'd actually uh, consider uh, making that my, my bowl trip this year if Arkansas didn't wind up in, uh, in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a tight game there, and I foresee a tight game between TCU and Kansas State, uh, just like it was when they uh, – when they met in the regular season. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I've, I've got a pull for the Horn Frogs. Uh, like I, I think we said on this on this cast uh, several several weeks ago that TCU had it out there to prove to to not only everybody else but to themselves. Well, they're way past that now. They they're on a they're on a championship and, and not just one. I mean, I think they have their eyes on the big one too. Uh, not saying they're going to win the big one, but I, I think that they got their eyes set on that playoff and they're trying to see if they can play for college football's highest prize. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to some other bowls now. We The Egg Bowl, we had Mississippi State go into Oxford get a nice two-point uh, we, we called that one, folks. We, we called that one. We both went Bulldogs. And, boy, the lane train, uh, I, I think he went ahead and took the sure money and stayed at Ole Miss because I don't think anybody else wants him right now. He, he can't figure out a way to win a game. So uh, he, he, probably did, he probably did a good thing in staying at Ole Miss uh, considering that Auburn turned to the next guy on their list and, and hired Hugh Freeze. So look out, conference Hugh Freeze is back. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, you know, I'm trying to make Auburn uh, relevant again. I mean, it's going to take you some time, but Big but yeah, win, we, we called uh, that one Mississippi State. You know, they, they took care of business. Absolutely. Another team that took care of business, or well, I mean, wouldn't say even, I mean, it was a big upset, but uh, South Carolina went into Clemson. And I, yep. mean, they, I don't know what more you can say about this. Clemson was on full notice of South Carolina after they absolutely torched Tennessee. And they just couldn't stop mm-hmm. it. They couldn't stop it. And I'm, I believe that broke Clemson's home winning streak of how many years? They, they would have made another year. I, I want to say it was up to 20 or 30 home games. I think they were, I think they were trying to close in on 40, 40 games in a row that they had won at home. Yeah, and it got snapped you know, by the game cards. So, snapped. huge shocker there. I was very, very, as an NC State fan, of course, I was very pleased to see that. Well, I think any time I think any time Clemson loses, though, you, you love to see that as a NC State fan. Uh, you know, just like you know us being Arkansas fans, you know we might we might secretly you know want Bama to do good for the conference, but yet when they lose, we're like, yes, they lost. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of things we call on this podcast last week. I want to rewind it back to my statement about Texas A&M, in which I made it very clear. I didn't, I didn't jump in on the bandwagon because 
You know, there are issues there, but I made it very clear. I was, I would not be surprised. Those are my words last week. Don't be surprised if Texas a beats LSU. Because I saw that one. I saw a clear potential of that happening. I didn't think it would be nearly as convincing as it was, but uh, A&M made really quick work of the Tigers. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, I, I wasn't shocked by the outcome, but it was the score of the outcome that was shocking to me. Uh, because, you know, I think I told you last week I didn't see them winning. Uh, but competitive, yeah, I mean, I thought they'd be competitive at home, but the, the way they won, going away, I mean, that, I, didn't, I didn't see it happening that way. Actually, this might be the best end that Texas A&M could have hoped for because at five and seven, they won't be going to a bowl, but they do have a nice, satisfying win over LSU to end the season on, which might be just what the doctor ordered from Jimbo Fisher. Um, it, might, it might be just just the thing that sparks them, you know. With uh, you don't want to look too far ahead to next season, but you know he, he had a number one recruiting class, so. Uh, you know, might, might see the makings of it coming together in, in the final game of the season. Also, I want to mention, speaking of uh, Central Florida, we, I, I, I remember last week uh, we were looking at that game. I said, we're not even going to talk about that one because we know how that one is going to go down. It goes to show, never underestimate rivalries. One in ten, South Florida was leading 
uh, 38 to 27 and, and really looked very impressive in doing it. So there were, there were definitely teams out there that took care of business, but then there were games like Florida State and Florida. Yeah, that was a, uh, the Florida State Florida game was a, uh, I would say it's a, it's a instant classic. Uh, they, uh, that was the most points that's ever been scored in a game in that series. And uh, it was just, you know, back and forth all night long. And uh, just just a great game to watch. 38-35 uh, going to the Seminoles. Uh, I think that's another one that we called on the cast. I mean, we were, we were pretty spot on last week. Tennessee got some revenge against Vanderbilt with a 56 to nothing thumping. Uh, that, that, they let out a little frustration in that one, didn't they, Jackson? I, I, think, I think they did. And, and uh, I mean, I don't really know much about their their quarterback situation, but apparently they didn't have any problems uh, replacing a, a hooker for at least one game. So, uh, yeah, it's big, big uh, convincing. Uh, nice way to come back for Tennessee. Yep. The uh, Apple Bowl went to the Washington Huskies, 51 to 33, and uh, that means that they will now play USC for the uh, championship game. Am I right about that, or or did that make it to where Utah plays? You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not really certain on that one. Uh, let, let, me, let me check on that. That actually put Utah in it. Basically, if Washington would have lost that game to Washington State, I believe Oregon would have somehow slid in, which is unusual. But uh, and that sets up for an interesting matchup because you know Utah is the one blemish on USC's record, and uh, I mean could be, could be a heck of a Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I just, I don't see USC being derailed right now. Uh, they just, they, they seem like they're they're out to prove something. Uh, I didn't see Lincoln Riley doing it in year one, but, you know, he's, he's one game away from, from being in the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, I think if they, you know, if they are a one-loss uh, Pac-12 champion, I, I mean, I think, I think they're going to be in. So. Well, I, I agree, but now I have to point out, uh, that Utah is the only team to beat USC this year. So they're 11-1, but that only loss is to Utah, who they have to play in the championship. So uh, I do think that they get, you know, revenge in that game, but at the same time, it's clear that Utah matches up. Oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, their, uh, their quarterback is his, his name, uh, the name slips my mind at this moment, but... Uh, he was the hero in the, in the overtime game, and, and the coach showed a lot of guts. And, uh, and uh, they, well, actually, I think the game was no, it was it was uh, either overtime at the end of regulation. They went for two instead of kicking a field goal. Yeah. And uh, at the end of regulation, they went for two instead of kicking a field goal, and the quarterback ran it in. So, uh, I mean, with very little time left on the clock, so uh, yeah, they they can definitely compete. Uh, you know, and you always hear the old adage in sports when you play a team twice, it seems like you know them better. So we'll see if that's true with, uh, with USC and Utah this weekend. Absolutely. We had uh, Penn State take care of business against Michigan State at home, 35-16. to 16. 
Speaking of Utah, Utah crushed lowly and uh, frankly pathetic Colorado, who has now made a uh, coaching offer to Deion Sanders. Utah won 63-21 to in Boulder. Wow. Um, also had uh, Kentucky make the SEC look pretty good by holding off their arch rival Louisville, who was ranked 25th in the country, 26 to 13. Strong showing there by an SEC team. Uh, also had to mention that a uh, uh, particularly good game this uh, this past week that I got to watch was the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, which won. Uh, uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, and Minnesota actually uh, took took away the honors this uh, this year. 26, 23 to sixteen in Wisconsin. Uh, strong performance late where they actually came back uh, to win that game. And uh, it was it was a very hard fought game to the very end. And that's one of the oldest rivalries that's out there that's uh, still being played. So it's one of the oldest still still going. Uh, so it's a uh, little tidbit of information there. There you go. There you go. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, I think, for college football rivalry week. It was definitely extremely eventful. Um, Lived up to expectations totally, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what kind of bowl games uh, are, are coming up too. You know, we, you know, I always love uh, the, the bowl matchups because it gives you an opportunity to see most of the times two teams play that aren't normally going to play in, in a regular season matchup. So. Uh, you know, I, I like your I like your uh, Arkansas Baylor matchup. I, I I think that that would be a very uh, might be a full Liberty Bowl. You know, depending on the weather. I mean, I think they could they could really have a good turnout for that for that game. Uh, you know, and you know the, the college football playoffs is going to be uh, decided. You know, who's going to play in it this weekend and. Uh, I don't see any surprises. I, I don't really see the top four changing, like I've already said. I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, uh, and, and USC. And uh, so you'll find out real quick if Lincoln Riley's move out west uh, uh, was going to keep him for that from the SEC or not, because that would be their that would be their first their first game in the playoff. They would go against number one. Uh, and I just want to say, what a relief would it be? What a, what a breath of fresh air would it be if we could have a college football playoff this year without Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson? Oh yeah, and, and I think that's what we're going to get. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, Big Mo, which we'll we'll get to next week when we know the matchups for sure. But. Uh, I, I just see George repeating. I think the defense is just that good. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I see them repeating uh, as, as champions. Uh, I just think the defense is. I don't see how you can lose nine players off of defense to the NFL and still have a defense that you know barely gives up a touchdown. Uh, you know very rarely on the season. So. Uh, I, I, I would have to put my chips with Georgia if I was going to put some chips on the table. 
I, I would not bet against that at all. And I, I, I guess that's uh, partly a, a function of the transfer portal or, or the recruiting uh, environment that we, we live in today. But people, you know, uh, these programs, they don't just have to rebuild anymore. They reload. And uh, that's actually kind of what the Razorback basketball team has done this year. We'll, uh, I guess, touch on more on that on, on basketball after the bowl season. But do want to give them a big shout-out for a huge win they pulled out over the San Diego State Aztecs in Hawaii in a game that showed a lot of grit. Uh, Arkansas ended up pulling that one out in overtime. And I think it's, you know, I think you, you know, I, I give kudos to Coach Musselman because whatever's going on with Devontae Davis, you know, my, my thoughts are, are, are with him. I don't know what he's dealing with, but uh, don't want to speculate or anything. But how, how gutsy is Coach to give us not to play the second half? And who does he go to? He goes to a rebounding hero from last year, Kamani Johnson, who hasn't played in the whole tournament. Hasn't played in the whole tournament for the second half. And what does Kamani do? Oh, he just goes out and has seven points and seven rebounds and a half. Tips in the the, the the tip shot at the buzzer to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, he hits four free throws that were key. 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 Absolutely. He made one and one, knocked down the second one, then he went back to the line for two more. He canned both of those. Uh, what, what a win. I mean, uh, this, uh, this this Arkansas basketball team, uh, it's early. It's really early in the season, but they're, they're playing they're playing really solid on defense for the most part. You know, you have a, you have a three-point loss to, to Creighton, but you score 87 points. Normally, that's going to call it a basketball game. You score 87 points, you're going to win. You know, a high percentage at the time, and we lost 987. So, yep. uh, and, you know, and, and when you got guys, uh, I just think there's a lot of teams on our schedule that we're just gonna, we're just gonna out, out athletic them. We're just gonna be so much more athletic than they are. You know, by the time you get in the late in the second half, they're not gonna be able to compete, and that's what happened. That's what. And, you know, Troy was scrappy. Troy battled. They they fought. But at the end, yep. we still won by 13. And from what I understood, Rick, the Ricky Council had a Sports Center top 10 dunk where they didn't stop the ball, and he just just flat jumped over a kid and dunked it. You know, just just made him look really silly at the end. So, uh, you know, it's just you know they they're they're gonna just be so athletic. That's what I keep hearing about them. They're so athletic. They're so athletic. They're so athletic. And when Ricky Council is the smallest guy on the court running guard spot at 6'7", he's the smallest until we went into the portal and we got some size that we lacked last year. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a long season. We know how long it is. Um, but, I mean, I think we're definitely eyeing a, a deep run. Uh, big yeah. moments in the in the end of March, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we have uh, uh, San Jose State this weekend uh, in Bud Walton, and uh, should be a, should be another win. Uh, got Oklahoma on the schedule. Uh, there's some there's some big games coming up yep. for them, but uh, you know they're a young team and a lot of new faces. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. did actually play the other night about six minutes on that knee, and uh, he, he didn't score, but they said he looked good. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And, you know, like I said, you know, we, we got a bowl game. Uh, 
And I know on uh, next week's podcast, we'll get to tear that bowl game to shreds, you know, and, and talk about, you know, what we need to do to win and who we're playing. And, uh, you know, and you, you got me excited about playing Baylor. So I, I hope that uh, I hope that the Liberty Bowl folks come through for us and, and, and you hit it on the head. So, uh, Absolutely.
over a Saints team that, you know, the, the thing is, Big Mo, if we can match these two teams together, just put them both together and call it, you know, New Tampa or, or Tampa Orleans or however you want to match the words together, that could be a heck of a juggernaut of a team. But unfortunately, we can't do that. So, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to go to Tampa, but I won't, I won't be surprised if, if, if you're a Saint, so go to Tampa and, uh, you know, pretty much put a put a, a, a stake in the, in the heart of Tom Brady and, and his uh, illustrious career. Well, I, I can't disagree with your prediction, but especially after the Saints got shut out last week. For the first time since 2001, so it's 21 years. And, and they, they failed to score a point last this week. So we are almost, you know, historically bad on offense. And uh, it's, uh, it, it won't take much for you to extrapolate. Were you even driving a car legally the last time you guys got shut out? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think either one of us could drive a car legally. No, we, we couldn't. Uh, I mean, our permit, I mean, I, I, I have my permit when I was... Uh,